Welcome to the Sages Among Us. What makes a community great? Most importantly, it's the people who live and work there and are engaged in community life. The Sages Among Us focuses on those people, what they do and why they do it, and celebrates the leadership, time, and energy they bring to making a positive difference for all of us. I'm Lori Burkhart Frank, and I'm very pleased to introduce you to my guest tonight, Craig Griesbach, Nevada County Emergency Services Director. Craig brings over 17 years of managing and leading various local government programs in the areas of emergency services, collaborating with law enforcement and fire agencies. He has a Bachelor of Arts degree in organizational leadership, a credentialed fellow of the California State Association of County Senior Executive Program, is accredited as a post-disaster assessment evaluator by the Governor's Office of Emergency Services, Cal OES, and has a cert- certifications in the National Incident Management System, NIMS. Craig, welcome to the Sages Among Us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, it's really exciting to talk to you and find out a little bit more about you as a person. So tell us, where did you grow up, Craig? I grew up out in the middle of nowhere in Humboldt County, kind of the Emerald Triangle area. I grew up on a large cattle and logging ranch. Um, there was a family ranch for a long time. Most of my immediate family are, are still up there. Um, my dad jokes that I'm a domesticated hillbilly <laughs> coming <laughs> from that. the woods. And um, But yeah, I, I grew up as a hill kid out on a ranch. So I was going to ask you what kind of activities you were involved as in as a child. I imagine a lot of ranch activities. Yeah, a lot of building fence, uh, wrangling cows, but doing typical kid stuff, um, hunting, fishing, pretty much anything outdoors I was involved in. Um, I love the outdoors even today. And it was really from the roots of that growing up on a kind of wide open space. So who were some of your role models as you grew up? My main role models kind of surrounded those areas. So my dad, my uncle, um, the other ranch owners out in those areas, mainly because of their work ethic, uh, doing right by people and really treating people the right way and learning the values that I saw them practice all the time. And really, they always figured out a way to make it work, regardless if it was financially or jobs or fixing equipment. And so I really was inspired by that growing up and still am today, honestly. Did you know what you wanted to do when you were a kid? I really didn't. I was super happy working on the ranch. Um, I was planning on doing that forever. Um, I was actually going to do that. I was running some logging crews when I was in high school and um, the ranch owners there had an intervention (laughs) with me because they wanted something more for me. Um, Didn't want me to uh, break my body and at such a young age. Um, So that's when I kind of decided to go away from that, but I still love doing a lot of that work today. I love manual labor. I love cutting up trees and pretty much everything else um, that has to do with that. I love the idea that the ranch ranchers had this intervention. Was your father part of that? Yeah, it's pretty funny. Both my, my father and my uncle were the main partners on this ranch um, that I, I worked on, but it was a lot of the neighboring ranches I had relationships with and families, um, extended families. Uh, yeah, they they all had the experience of working there and a lifetime of manual labor. And there's a lot of reward in that, but also their bodies were broken and they, they wanted more for me in their words. So it was interesting getting that. And I really respected it hearing that from them, even though I didn't necessarily want to hear it when I was 17 years old. Um, but it was something I respected. Well, so what were some of your first jobs after that? 
Um, my jobs after that were pretty much around that type of work. So whether that be at a, I owned a firewood company. So, um, honestly, a lot of my customer service skills came from that. Um, I worked at a hardware store, um, in the lumber yard and a lot of my customer service skills also came from that. So a little odd jobs now and then I kind of hustled as I went off and on through college, but I also started my career very young in local government. I started in local government when I was 19. Um, I started before I graduated college even, worked my way and finished my degree while I was working. So so what did you do in local government at 19? I actually worked for the community development agency in Yolo County. Um, I had a, I coming from a ranch, I had a desire to put practice um, to work rather than just theory. And um, that's something that I had met someone that worked for Yolo County, the director of community development at the time. And he offered me a job there when when I was 19. So I started working there and kind of worked my way up um, through community development, mainly on the building department side. And that's uh, where most of my background was from. So what are some of the lessons that you learned from those earlier jobs? The lessons I learned from my earlier jobs, all the way from being... A, a young kid all the way up through, you know, my early twenties is relationships are so important in life and so important professionally. Um, I learned that early on and doing right by people is really important. That was always valuable to me, um, as a person, but professionally you need people to get things done. You need resources, you need community. Um, so I learned that early on and I leverage that even today. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about your family? Yeah, I have, um, I'm married, I have three sons. Um, they're rambunctious sons that you would think that are my kids, definitely, um, ranging from you know seven years old to 15. So I spend most of my off time when I'm not working with them, whether it be sports, riding motorcycles, hiking, whatever it is, pretty much surrounds being with them, supporting them, they're, they're my best buddies. Um, so it's it's, Really, I, I love and enjoy my time around them. Well, that sounds great to have three kids. And, and uh, uh, then what drew you to Nevada County? It was actually kind of on a whim. I was working for a city prior to um, working here. I was just ready for a change. Um, I had moved around a lot, um, mainly for professional advancement opportunities. I think I had moved seven times in 13 years. So my wife had had enough. (laughs) She was ready to settle down. And so I was ready to settle down too. And um, this job came up and I applied and it reminded me a lot of home, honestly, the topography of the people, the area, the opportunities. So I went for it and they um, hired me. (laughs) It was a good fit for me and I'm glad I'm here because it is um, a great fit for my family and we have a good spot living right outside of Grass Valley and very happy to be here. And you started off as the director of building? Uh, building. Yes, I, I started off as the director of building in the community development agency at the county. So in terms of that, did, did you bring any, I, I'm actually aware of some programs that you brought that would seem to be new. And so did you, can you tell us about any of the collaborations that you started here to maybe make it easier for folks? Yeah, the first thing I I did here and really anywhere I've ever worked or lived is just I focused on the relationship component and the community component because I wanted to 
get to know who who the people are, what their needs are, um, where the gaps are that I can maybe help fill. Um, and really the services and everything I've tried to do since I've been here have revolved around that. So whether that be relationships with the realtors, contractors, um, our nonprofit agencies, the cities and counties, I've really tried really hard to um, improve those relationships. And really a lot of the programs like the over-the-counter program, the expedited um, permit issuance for projects, um, our building outposts, it's essentially a satellite office at the Contractors Association. All of that is was implemented to really fill those gaps and really provide a better service to the community, whatever that means. Well, it sounds like customer service. Totally. And it was a lot of with government in general. I don't care if you're a local, state, or federal government. There's uh, big trust gaps there. So however we can bridge those, I think, really help the customer service and really meet the needs of the community. So what do you think is, is uh, I know that, that sometimes that's a controversial area, the building inspections and and uh, that people kind of love to hate it you know it's ne- it's needed <laughs> but it can be frustrating and if you're on your own but what what inspires you in that work before you have this new job that we'll be talking about soon i think what inspires me for that work is just being helpful i mean coming across these homeowners that want to do an addition to the house because they're family drawing and they know nothing about the process they don't have much money so being able to help that person through the process and actually make their project successful and that their investment is protected, um, I think that's the most rewarding thing to me in my career, and that's what I always strive for. Well, you are listening to The Sages Among Us on KVMR. I'm Lori Burkhart-Frank, and I'm talking to Craig Griesbach, Nevada County Emergency Services Director. Well, in terms of the building code, before we move on, I just wanted to know, have you seen any trends or changes uh, in terms of inspections over the last decade or so? The main trend, I mean, being in California, you're a heavily regulated state. Um, so the trends have been more regulation in a lot of ways. A lot of that has surrounded around climate change with green building standards or energy efficiencies and, and things like that. So. The biggest changes revolve around that. Um, Pretty much every three years, the state adopts new standards, and the more restrictive ones are typically revolving around energy use and trying to make um, construction and development more sustainable. I anticipate that will be the trend for decades to come. Um, It's interesting to see the industry evolve uh, and really to try to educate people because things do change so fast and so often. Well, last month you were named the Nevada County's first emergency services director. Why was that position created? For several reasons, but it's really the county's investment in emergency services and emergency response. Um, As climate change happens, as we encounter all kinds of different emergencies like the pandemic and the winter storm and wildfire and that has happened more frequently and more often um, than ever before, the county recognizes the importance of emergency services and having a collaborator, which really Office of Emergency Services is. So really the um, investment in my position is to improve that to the community and really make us more nimble and prepared to help us save lives, save property, and really help us prepare. Hopefully, I mean, this is a bit of a dream, but... um, kind of an oasis for emergencies in a lot of ways compared to especially a lot of other rural counties. 
Tell me more about that, being an oasis. So it's something that, um, and I'll give credit to Paul Cummings, our program manager. He mentioned this the other day, and it really struck me, and it speaks to a lot of what we're doing is the proactive mitigation, planning, and preparedness work is a lot of what our office does. Um, How can we do more shaded fuel breaks? How can we provide resources to firewise communities to do more vegetation management on ingress and egress routes? How can we provide more green waste opportunities? How can we help elderly and disabled people get out of their homes safely? If we're building more programs and we're um, attacking this very aggressively, I'll I'll use Chief Estes, who's a a fire chief for the Nevada, Nevada Yuba Placer Unit. He always talks about the importance of attacking fire early and being aggressive. I I think that same way in planning and preparedness to where if we are very aggressive with this, a decade from now, we could be a leader even more so in rural counties to where people want to move here because it's safe, safer from wildfire. When I say oasis, that's what I mean to where a lot of people live in fear and worry related to wildfire specifically, just like I do with my family. But how can we get to a place to where we feel good, where we're not nervous when the fire plane rolls over or we know we're prepared and we can get out of these communities like Alta Sierra or Cascade Shores to where we have um, sort of a safety net in a lot of ways. Well, that is a comforting vision. I am really glad that you are the director of emergency (laughs) services. Uh, And we did talk at the beginning uh, in your intro about the relationships that you have with law enforcement, fire agencies, and emergency situations. Um, What other organizations does the Office of Emergency Services collaborate with? This was probably one of the more exciting things for me to make this switch in my career is I've always loved collaborating with people. Growing up, I survived by community, um, frankly. So I know the value of the community and really our relationships with partners and and really everybody throughout our community, including businesses. So the cool thing about the Office of Emergency Services is essentially we're a connector of people and services. Um, We connect everyone at the county, departments, agencies. There are no boundaries. It's the same thing with businesses, with nonprofits. We are the connector of, of those services and really collaborating those during emergencies and when not um, during emergencies. So an example is I, I'm just the last couple of weeks, I met with 211 Connecting Point. I met with Interfaith Food Ministry. I met with the cities, the town. All these different people are key players for our overall success. And for us to be able to connect those people because there's a lot of sense where they can work together where they may not have before um, is really fun for me. Well, what are some of the services that the county's emergency services provides? Are are most of them related to fire? Uh, It's it's a little bit all over the place. Um, It's really about preparedness and planning more than anything else. Um, We have a lot of programs where we, we apply for a ton of grants, whether those are state, federal, or local grants. Just since my time here, we've collaborated with the uh, Tahoe Truckee Commun- Community Foundation on a grant, which is a local uh, organization. We've collaborated with Cal Fire on a grant for um, uh, mitigation of our winter storm debris. We've collaborated with FEMA on tons of grants on shaded fuel break projects. So grant work and identifying strategic projects um, is a big part of what we do. We also work on a lot of um, planning documents. So essentially it guides where our priorities and resources go to. So our 
uh, community wildfire pr- protection plan. We'll be working on up- updating that here shortly. Um, going on to our evacuation study that we're working on currently right now and scoping that to where we can figure out where are our pinch points, where can we spend, best spend our money and our um, public tax dollars to save some lives. And um, so what constitutes an emergency? That's an interesting question, but our emergencies are and disasters are looking very different today than they did a couple decades ago. I mean, just over the last couple of years, we've had the river fire, which fire is probably the most public facing version that I think a lot of people are the most aware about. So it's on everyone's minds. But we also had the COVID pandemic where we were, there were all kinds of aspects of that from a health health emergency to figuring out how we're going to provide all our services at the county and being technology nimble, um, all the way down to the winter storm that no one expected, where we're dealing and dabbling in a little bit of everything from power outages and communicating with PG&E and AT&T to plowing roads, bringing firewood to people to make sure they don't freeze to death in, in homes, quite literally. So it's it's evolving as the years go on based on everything that's going on with climate change and really um, what we have in society as we move more into the forest. Well, and I heard somewhere about the number of days that the emergency uh, services operations are open or what what is it called uh, when... Yeah, the Emergency Operations Center, when it activates for emergencies, essentially a couple of years ago, it was open on average between like 10 and 12 days. Um, just this last year, we were open over 55 days. So that's literally within a period of a couple um, years um, is a huge increase on our resources and really all the entire community's resources. So are there different different levels of emergencies? Because I know most recently, I believe it was the end of June, we had the... Um, Rices fire, and I heard that it that the state did not make it a, a what what makes it a, a disaster area. So there's different levels of emergencies from a local emergency, a state emergency, and a federal emergency. A lot of that is tied to the amount of loss and dollars associated to a loss, and I can't remember those numbers off the top of my head. But like the Rices fire, for example, um, although it's extremely sad that. People lost several people lost their homes, a lot of their belongings. As far as from a state or federal disaster, there wasn't enough loss cost-wise, um, so it wasn't declared any of those emergencies. That's kind of the the different indicator on on size and scope. And does that affect mostly the that homeowner that lost their property in terms of getting some support, or does it also affect the county in terms of recouping some some co- some uh, resources? It's both. So whenever there is, it increases a level of state emergency or a federal emergency or access to recovery dollars and programs, essentially. So for us, it's the same thing. If it's not considered a state emergency or a federal emergency, we don't have as much power to recoup our costs. Um, you know, I, Cal Fire, and this is outside the county's cost, it, it was a little over $13 million, I believe, to suppress that fire, even though it was smallish in in today's world and for us we had you know quite a bit of cost as well but that's something that we expect for nowadays yes well you're listening to the sages among us on kvmr i'm Lori burkhart frank and i'm talking to craig griesbach nevada county emergency services director craig there's 
uh, what goes into being an accredited post-disaster assessment evaluator by the governor's office, uh, Cal OES? Because I know that, again, we introduced you as that's something that, that you have done and been accredited for. What, what does that exactly mean and what, what can you do with that information? So the safety assessment program is essentially a state program through the governor's office of emergency services, as you mentioned. Um, there's multiple training. Essentially, it's a lot of in-person training with those accredited trainers. Um, for that one specifically, essentially, you are accredited to review infrastructure, buildings, um, soil subsidence, things like that, and be able to evaluate those for safety for the public, for them to be able to re-enter or reoccupy their properties. There's all kinds of levels of training associated with that, and actually, I will be attending a bunch over the next couple of years, obviously. Um, but I actually was first immersed in that when I started my career. When I started my career, it was um, I had worked in Yolo County, and uh, Hurricane Katrina had just occurred. And so the levees failed over there, and obviously everybody knows that story. But at that time, they decertified all the levees along the Sacramento River. And so I got heavily involved in the safety assessment program because all state employees at that time were really worried, especially around the, the Sacramento Valley area. Um, so it was ingrained in me very early on in my career, and it's kind of come full circle, circle now in my position um, here with the Office of Emergency Services. Well, we also talked at the beginning about the National Incident Management System, NIMS, and what is that, and what, what again, do you use that, where do you use that information? The National Incident Management System is essentially a standardized system for communication and how we react to disasters. There's all kinds of NIMS training, so National Incident Management Systems training, all the way from just an introduction of what it is to being a coordinator of incidents. Um, Basically, what it means is everyone communicates the same way. It doesn't matter if I respond to a disaster in New York or we get mutual aid from somebody from Idaho down here for whatever reason. We're all speaking the same exact language, whether that be recovery, response, over the radio, whatever that means. We're all speaking the same language, and that's the importance of it. They do this in the military the same way. Um, it's very effective whenever you're responding to emergencies and stressful situations. So when you evaluate our community uh, compared to other communities in the state or probably or maybe even nationally, what are some of the advantages that we have in our collaborations, our communications? You know, again, looking at the fact that there is a standard, it sounds like. Yes, I mean, from obviously, I'm just getting immersed into this program with OES. Um, but from what I know and working in other areas and with other communities and um, from what I've seen, Nevada County is ahead of its time, uh, especially with rural, small counties. Um, our, what we have in technology in general, and I'll, I'll give credit to Steve Monahan, who is our agency director. I mean, we, we're implementing a technology right now called Ladris, which is a advanced um, egress and exiting and uh, evacuation software. We're implementing that, and they're very young in their business career, but it's going to be a leader, I believe. We were one of the first ones to implement Zone Haven, so the early warning and evacuation system. 
So as far as really any county or city goes, we're on the cutting edge. And that's the exciting thing for me is I can be on the front lines of that cutting edge in the emergency services and continue to push that envelope to where we're ultimately safer as a community. Well, it does seem impressive as a citizen living here about this. And I, I do try to educate my local friends and community about Zone Haven if they haven't heard about it. And more and more people he- have heard about it. But could you say a little bit more about it? Because I just think we can't tell people enough about Zone Haven. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh, Zone Haven is essentially our evacuation communication tool. So when we have emergencies, whether you're in an evacuation warning or a mandatory evacuation area, um, our coordinators in the Emergency Operations Center um, right now is Sean Scales, one of the lieutenants in our sheriff's office, does an amazing job. They communicate with the field, and we toggle evacuation zones on and off based on risk and uncertainty. And so the community can review those live on their phone. Um, how, did, they, how does someone find out what zone they're in? So they can go onto our Ready Nevada County website. You can just Google Ready Nevada County, and we have links on there and instructions. Or you can just type in Zone Haven, and you can find Nevada County. A lot of counties are using this software. Um, or worst-case scenario, call us up. And we can um, help even guide maybe you through it. Two one one. Yeah, two one one. Totally. They they are very well aware of both Code Red and Zone Haven. We have a lot of tools here, um, but we also answer a lot of questions about people knowing their zone. You need to know your zone early and now before an emergency. Um, it's hard to scramble at the very end if you have it as a magnet on your refrigerator or you have a screenshot on your phone it's really important to know your zone and because that's how we're going to communicate with you yeah and i have seen some of the the magnets and you can get that the library or probably at the fair right now pick those up is that true yes that's a that's a great segue to the fair is we'll be there um pretty much all the entire time uh, the fair is open, we'll be there partnered with the Fire, Fire Safe Council, Council of Nevada County, and we'll have a lot of resources. We'll have those magnets. We'll have some maps for you, and really we'll be there available to answer any questions that you may have. Well, what do you want all of us to be most aware of, all of us listening tonight and those in the podcast in the future? I think we what I want people to be the most aware of is just our tools that we have and how to use them and how they work. Because a lot of people get confused during emergencies because it is a high stress situation. And if you're not familiar with that, or you know, at least a little bit about it, it's easy to misinterpret some of that information. You know, sometimes when you have a lot of information, it's considered as, or interpreted as too much information. So knowing your zone, having those conversations with your neighbors because in emergencies, it's going to be neighbor to neighbor helping each other out. And that is going to be your most valuable resource is doing that work ahead of time, having your go bags ready and taking that serious, making sure your vehicle is fueled on red flag days, all of these types of things, your proactive work is going to do uh, a lot for you. We just have a few more minutes, and I want to know a little bit more about what other things you do in the community. And obviously, you're very busy with this work, but what are the kinds of things that you enjoy about living in our community? Um, I do a little bit of everything outdoors, kind of how I started this. Um, I've coached pretty much all my kids' sports, whether that be you know, baseball, lacrosse, soccer, pretty much everything as they've grown up. I really enjoy doing that, not just with my sons, but all the kids you get to meet along the way and the families you get to meet. Um, I like hiking a lot. I go up to Grouse Ridge quite quite often. Um, I paddleboard on Scotts Flat Lake all the time with my wife. So pretty much anything outdoors I, I love doing. 
So my last question to you is: If you had the <clears throat> excuse me, if you had the power to to uh, wave a magic wand to <clears throat> excuse me, improve our community or c- solve a problem, what would that be? I I think this is probably more of a general wish than anything else. But what I would say is really listening to each other and understanding each other and really thinking about even though we're going to have differences of opinion we're not going to have alignment on a lot of issues but respecting what other people think and do is really really important in life but especially in everything that i do um if if you didn't see the the board meeting yesterday regarding the tax measure that um will be going on the ballot in november um that was just a good a great sign of a community working together through a public process, regardless of what you believe for or against. Um, everyone was super respectful. The board was great. The staff were great. The presentations were awesome. We had a lot of partners there. I've been in um, government for a long time. That was a model of how a local government public process should work. Well, that is great to hear. And thank you for joining us, Craig. My guest tonight has been Craig Griesbach, Nevada County Emergency Services Director. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for everything that you do to make our community great.